Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 197 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist, and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where together with my colleagues, we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. We've recently launched our new HR administration service, recognising that lots of our clients are finding it difficult to deal with HR administration internally. We now offer this service as part of our HR Harbour package, This is our flagship service that we provide to employers where we provide ongoing advice and assistance as well as being proactive in helping with anything that may arise. So if you'd like more information or you'd like some help with your HR, getting your HR administration and policies and processes in place, then do not hesitate to get in touch for a free no obligation quote. You can contact me by email. It's alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. So in this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be covering a case that was heard in the Employment Appeal Tribunal, the facts of which caught my eye when I saw it pop up on my updates. So hopefully you will also find an interesting one and a bit of a reminder about why we should get our policies and processes in place to make life easier for us in the long run. So without further ado, I'm going to enter this week's featured content. So as I was saying, I'm going to be covering a case where the facts and circumstances that gave rise to the claim were quite interesting to me. And the parties in this is Mr. K. Pubai, and hopefully I'm saying that right, I apologise if not, and the employer was yourmove.co.uk. Now, Mr. Pubai was employed by Your Move and he was dismissed from his employment because he failed to disclose his bankruptcy. Now, what's interesting about this case is that the employer did not specifically ask him if he had been made bankrupt. They did not require him anywhere within any of their paperwork, policies, contracts or any regulatory requirement to actually disclose that he's bankrupt. But when they found out, they decided to dismiss him. And Mr. Pubai brought a claim in the employment tribunal and subsequently appealed that decision and the judgment was published in July this year from the case that was heard in the Employment Appeal Tribunal back in February. So let me just run through some of the facts and circumstances for you because I think it gives a really good idea and background to the case. So Mr Pubai, as I said, was dismissed from his employment in July 2018 and then he made a claim in the Employment Tribunal for unfair dismissal. He also made a claim under the Equality Act for discrimination arising from disability and failure to comply with the duty of reasonable adjustments. Now, ultimately, all of his claims for discrimination were not successful. And as I said earlier, his claim for unfair dismissal also, rather surprisingly, was not upheld. Now, he'd been employed for three years by the time he was dismissed and he was employed by yourmove.co.uk who were a firm of estate agents and the estate agents arrange mortgages and offer various insurance products. 
Mr. Pubai was a financial consultant. Now, the employer in this case had a relationship with another company called First Complete Limited, where they would act as the appointed representative for the employer and set the terms for the work that they were permitted to do. So the First Complete Limited dealt with the mortgages where the employer's staff would act as its representative. I think this is kind of standard practice in estate agencies where they have people dealing with mortgages as well and where the estate agents perhaps can't provide the mortgage themselves, they use a third party. Now it's clear from the facts of this case that there were various things going on between the parties, between the employee and the employer during the lead up to the dismissal. So he was off sick from December 16 through to April 17. And then there was an appraisal in December 2017, which Mr. Pubai complained about because he wasn't happy with. And then he was then subsequently signed off sick in January 2018. After going off sick in January 2018, Mr. Pubai then entered into bankruptcy. So it looks as though from the facts of the case, he went off sick on the 23rd of January, applied for bankruptcy on the 26th of January 2018, and then entered into bankruptcy on the 29th of January. And it seems as though, unfortunately for him, the reasons that he got himself into the situation of bankruptcy was because he'd been off sick for that period from December 16 through to April 17, and had been on zero pay in that time, which caused him financial difficulty. Now, Mr. Pubai didn't tell his employer that he had entered into a bankruptcy whilst he was off sick and still in their employment. He then raised a grievance on the 1st of February about how he had been treated. And on the 8th of February, a member of the HR team for the employer carried out a Google search. And in doing so, a Google search about Mr. Pubai noted that he had been declared bankrupt. Now, it looks as though when the company who provided the broker service to the employer found out about Mr. Pubai's bankruptcy, they withdrew his authorization to undertake any work on their behalf. So being as he'd been made bankrupt, although the company first complete weren't his employer, they were the ones who were providing the financial service essentially. They decided that he wasn't a fit and proper person to undertake that work following his bankruptcy. After his bankruptcy came to light and all the information was shared, the employer then contacted Mr. Pabai and asked him to contact them to discuss the bankruptcy and notified him that in light of what happened, he would be suspended and he wouldn't have access to any of their systems. Of course, he was still on sick leave anyway. The employer then undertook an investigation looking into the failure to disclose the bankruptcy And they subsequently invited Mr. Pabai to a disciplinary hearing and they notified him that the conduct that was being discussed was that he had failed to notify the company that had been declared bankrupt. He had failed to be able to operate the role within that organisation as a financial consultant due to the authorisation being removed and that they considered it to be a fundamental breakdown of trust and confidence, his failure to disclose. Mr. Pabai then raised a second grievance which basically covered the fact that his first grievance hadn't been dealt with or addressed appropriately. The disciplinary hearing was postponed and the grievance was then dealt with and partially upheld. So like many of these things, 
far from simple and lots of complicated things happening. Obviously, just to recap, he was off sick. He returned to work, was disgruntled about the handling of his appraisal, raised a grievance, went off sick again, and then filed for bankruptcy, then had a disciplinary investigation whilst he's off sick, was then invited to a disciplinary meeting. He raises a second grievance, which postpones the disciplinary meeting. So like many of these kinds of cases where parties tend to fall out or the relationship starts to break down, it all becomes fairly complicated and complex in trying to deal with it. Nevertheless, as we said earlier, the outcome of the disciplinary was that he was dismissed. Mr. Pabai was informed that the decision had been taken to terminate his employment by reason of gross misconduct. And he was dismissed immediately. So because they considered it gross misconduct, they didn't give him notice either. Now, the employer primarily relied on the fact that they had concluded that Mr. Pabai had intentionally and deliberately not disclosed to them. So as far as they were concerned, Mr. Pabai should have known in his position within the organisation that being bankrupt would impact on his role and therefore he should disclose that to them and was under a duty to do so. It seems from the evidence provided at the original employment tribunal that the employer focused very heavily on the fact that Mr. Pabai could not have undertaken his job role with his license with their third party first complete being withdrawn. So the fact that they wouldn't allow him to undertake work meant that the employer couldn't employ him in the role in which he was employed. And so it seems as though they did consider whether there was any other lesser sanction available. But that was their conclusion because he was bankrupt. He couldn't work with a third party in relation to mortgages, so he couldn't undertake the role anymore. Now, in his appeal against dismissal, Mr. Pabai raised the fact that there was nothing in any of their internal policies that required him to disclose his bankruptcy and nothing which would suggest to him that he needed to disclose it or that he could be dismissed for not doing so. At the appeal, obviously, his appeal wasn't allowed and his dismissal continued. And in the conclusion to the appeal, one of the points that was made by the appeal manager was that he had been made bankrupt on the 29th of January and then this was discovered and contacted him about it on the 14th of February. So they said he had over two weeks in which to disclose it to them voluntarily himself but he chose not to do so. Now in analysing the decision and reaching the conclusion that there was no unfair dismissal the Employment Tribunal took the view that Mr. Pabai had worked in regulated roles, or had worked in regulated roles previously in the financial sector, and so should have been aware of the relevant tests in terms of fitness and propriety. And he'd also confirmed in cross examination that he was aware that his employer would take out regular checks on his fitness to practice and to undertake the role and this wouldn't just be when he started work but it would be during his employment hence the google search they also preferred the evidence of the employer in this case in that the employers emphasized the importance of having sound financial status yourself particularly in a sales finance role 
So therefore, the employment tribunal were satisfied that the employee, Mr. Popeye, had known or should have known about the requirement to disclose his bankruptcy and that it was reasonable for the employer to have this fitness and propriety tests in place and to take the view that being bankrupt and failing to disclose the bankruptcy was a reasonable and fair reason for dismissal. Then taking it one step further, they also decided that it was correct to find that it was gross misconduct, particularly taking into account his role and the standards required of someone in that role. And so the employment tribunal were not only satisfied that the employer had a fair reason for dismissal, but they also agreed that it was gross misconduct and therefore enabling them to dismiss him without notice. Mr. Pabai then appealed to the Employment Appeal Tribunal and they looked again at the findings that were made by the Employment Tribunal in the first instance. One of the things that Mr. Pabai was arguing was that it wasn't reasonable for the Employment Tribunal to conclude that he ought to have appreciated that he was expected to disclose his bankruptcy. And the Appeal Tribunal didn't agree with Mr. Pabai. They said, the issue for the tribunal in the context of an unfair dismissal claim was whether the respondent was reasonably entitled to take the view that he ought to have appreciated that he would be expected to disclose something of this sort, notwithstanding that there was no express term requiring him to do so. So the appeal tribunal agreed with the original tribunal decision and held that Mr Pavai's appeal would not succeed and the decision of the Employment Tribunal that it had been a fair dismissal stood. What is interesting about this case is that there are lots of variables that could have happened in relation to it and which may have impacted the decision. So I was thinking about this in terms of employers and how your move, the employer in this case, could have made their life a lot easier. And one way they could have done that particularly in relation to roles where there is this particular sort of regulatory or uh, you know, financial propriety requirement is to include a specific clause in their employment contracts which requires the disclosure of such things as bankruptcy or anything else that takes place. If they'd had that clause in there in the first place, then it would have been much easier for them, in my view, to justify the dismissal and they would have had an easier time of things potentially. One of the things that I advise employers to include within their employment contracts is a requirement for existing employees. So once you're employed during the course of your employment to disclose any arrest, caution, conviction. Now the reason for this is because in the absence of it there isn't any express requirement in general, in most roles, to disclose this to an employer. And I've seen cases where employers can find out about things after the event, normally through adverse publicity in their local media. So it's important to include that in there as an express requirement. And I would say in particular types of roles where there's, you know, financial issues or particularly senior roles where having good financial standing is important, you could also include that requirement to disclose in the contracts. The other thing that your move could have done would be to incorporate some of the FCA's regulations and guidance on uh, people working in the financial sector within their own handbook and procedures. Again, making it clear that there is this requirement to disclose. In Mr Pubai's case, 
He was a very experienced person. He'd previously undertaken a regulated, regulated role. And so there was a higher burden on him to disclose and to know that he should have disclosed. The case might have been slightly different if it had been somebody who was less experienced, somebody who was younger, maybe who hadn't previously worked in a regulated role, so may not have known about it. So again, that's where having it written down and very clear for staff will help because then in a situation where the employee or individual may have been found not to have known that they should have disclosed, then having it written into the contract or a policy or both would have been helpful. The other thing to note about this case is that it centred a lot around his failure to disclose and the fact that he should have known he, sh- he should have disclosed and he chose not to. Now, I wonder whether the decision would have been the same in relation to unfair dismissal if he had disclosed his bankruptcy to his employer and they had then subsequently decided to dismiss him. My view in that circumstance would have been that the employer would have been under an obligation to look at alternatives before dismissal. So if somebody can't undertake their particular role because, like in this case, the third party who provided the regulated service said we can't have him working on our behalf because he's being made bankrupt, then the obligation would have been on the employer to look to see if there were alternatives that he could have undertaken before concluding that his employment would have to be terminated. And it's arguable that in those circumstances, so if he'd been made bankrupt, told them about it and couldn't do his job role, then the reason for dismissal wouldn't have been conduct, it would have been some other substantial reason. And then finally, just thinking about the whole case itself, as I said earlier, it's a typical type of case where lots of things were happening, there was some grievances, he'd been off sick, and then for whatever reason, somebody decided to Google him and to come across the bankruptcy information. Now, looking at it in the round, you can see why he was feeling somewhat aggrieved about the situation. He had been off sick for a period of time, which led to him being in financial difficulty. And then he was making himself bankrupt, so putting himself in a very difficult position. And so he would undoubtedly have felt aggrieved by the fact that he was then subsequently dismissed. But then looking at it from the employer's perspective, the employer reasonably should expect their employees to be upfront and honest with them and to notify them of such circumstances. And clearly it would have had an impact on him being able to undertake his role in any event. As I said earlier, both parties could have helped themselves here. Mr. Pubai could have approached his employer in advance of the bankruptcy to see if it would have impacted his employment first, to see if there was anything that they could have done to support him and to help him. The employer could have had in place clear policies and procedures about the requirements to disclose and ultimately it would have saved everyone a lot of time in the long run. But it is a very interesting case and hopefully you found it interesting to hear about how the Employment Tribunal considered the case and the outcome from the Employment Appeal Tribunal. So I will put a link to the case in the show notes so you can read the full judgment online if you want to. And of course, as always, if you have any questions about anything in this episode of the podcast or anything else employment related, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. I would also love to hear from you if you have any questions you want covered in the podcast. If you've been involved in a case that's been reported that you can talk about, I'm always looking for someone to interview who's been involved in a case 
that is open and you're able to talk about it. So I'll be happy to chat with you about that. And of course, if you're interested in getting some advice or ongoing support and assistance with our HR Harbour and now HR Administration Service, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk or if you prefer to pick up the telephone, you can call the office on 01983 897 And my colleague, Cathy, who answers the phones for us, will be pleased to book you an appointment for a telephone callback. Many thanks for listening and I hope that you have a fantastic two weeks ahead. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.